This the Black Powder Podcast. Kick up your feet, lean on your armrest, and get your mind blessed on this conquest. Hold a grip like a 12 gauge. Let this moment kick. Black people moving and having some gun ownership. I carry weight, not to keep the camera safe. It's thinking about you, my kids, and my parents' faces. The big topics they don't wanna involve us. Think we're novice, but now we're moving hard with revolvers. This the Black Powder Podcast. Let's get it and start it. Primer set the powder is lit. It's time to get on target. Welcome to another episode of the Black Party Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Yasuke Fett. And just a general reminder of your marching orders and why we have created the Black Powder Podcast. The main mission is to change the social view of black society and firearms. How do we do that? Glad you asked. We talk, walk, read, write, and think about it to find a better solution for a brighter future for the proper protection of black people. Join us through education, practice, and safety as we take down the stigma of black people and guns one discussion at a time. And just a general reminder, you cannot do a mag dump without a couple of rounds. So if you like what you're hearing and you happen to like this show, send out an email to blackpowderpodcast at gmail.com and let me know what your favorite episode is. Whether or not you agree, disagree, or have questions, please make sure to send them to blackpowderpodcast at gmail.com. And always... Feel free to like, share, and subscribe. The only way to continue to grow is to continue to share this knowledge with other people. And the only way to even get the message out is to let everyone know. So once again, if you like what you heard and would like to continue to hear, please like, share, and subscribe. And as always, you can find us on multiple platforms, especially main ones. Uh, as of recently, we are now on Spotify, Apple iTunes, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, and Audible. If you will go ahead and introduce yourself, sir, who are we talking to today? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm Yardley and I am a competitive shooter and former artist slash administrator here in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. You know, I grew up in Warner Robins, Georgia and came to Atlanta in 1994. Um, I came here to attend Art Institute of Atlanta and lived in Zone 5 for like 29 years. Um, I've worked in the animation business here in Atlanta uh, from its infancy in the late 90s and um, pretty much as an artist and, uh, and also on the um, operations side. And uh, yeah, you know, and here I am on this glorious podcast on a more than brisk uh, <laughs> weekday. <laughs> I appreciate you for making time for that again, man. And uh, no yeah, I, I didn't know uh, you were an artist. That's pretty cool, man. And especially uh, said like um, animation. Yeah, yep. Been working in and around the animation business for quite a while, you know, freelance and, you know, some full-time gigs as well. But, but yeah, you know, animation in Atlanta goes back to um, like 1998. And there are a few animation studios that are located here in Atlanta. And, you know, the, you know, we already know that, you know, the movie business and the animation business um, in this city's booming. You know, fortunately, the 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 strikes are over um you know that kind of set a lot of people and a lot of businesses back you know what i mean because that's money that you can't make or you can't pitch or you can't do this or you can't do that so it's kind of a blessing that that wrapped up before november and uh you know it's gonna take a while for a lot of industries to fully get their legs back up under them 
to keep going. But, you know, once things hit like next year, you know, it's, it's really going to hit. So, you know, and that's fortunate for a lot of, you know, a lot of businesses, you know, um, including black businesses. You know, there's a lot of people, you know, down the line uh, that lost a lot of money. So I'm just kind of happy that we're out of that funk and uh, ready to rock and roll in 2024. Yeah, you definitely right about the whole uh, loss of money thing. There's been a couple of places I've I've tried to go back to and, um, you know, only to find out that they, you know, they went under, like they're no longer around anymore because of COVID and yeah. and the loss yeah. of money. And um, yeah, the, the only two schools I can, the only two school art schools I could think of in Atlanta, I mean, you know, granted, I wasn't um, around the time I was in school, I wasn't looking too hard, but uh, the only two I could think of right at the top of my head are SCAD and uh, uh, Art Institute of Atlanta, unless there's more now. Well, you know, SCAD, um, I think of SCAD kind of as the primary because you have a lot of studios that try to recruit or, you know, they bring in. Um, you know, newer talent, or they kind of vet it from SCAD. AIA, um, it actually recently um, went defunct. I mean, they closed all the schools like earlier this year, um, just like out of the blue. So a lot of those wow. students are, um, you know, they're you know, up, you know what, Creek, you know what I mean? Um, wow. So I kind of feel bad about that. You know, I went to the Art Institute in Atlanta for like one year. It became too expensive and I ended up, you know, dropping out. But the funny thing about that is once I dropped out and I had gotten another, you know, a, you know, a part-time job, because obviously you still got to live, you know, have a roof over your head. Mm -hmm. uh, my artistic ability was discovered at the place where I, you know, you know, the, the job that I had. And I ended up getting like work with Turner Studios and uh, Turner Effects. Um, it's called Turner Effects back in those days. And, uh, you know, when you go from like, you know, retail type jobs to getting, you know, especially at a young age, like, you know, checks that were bigger than you had ever seen. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. like, no, why, why do I need to go back to school? Um, I always encourage people, hey, if you go to school, you know, complete what you started. But in my particular case, you know, it just worked out. It was just like, no, I'm not going to go to school when I'm where I wanted to be from going to school, you know? <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah. <laughs> the, cool, the cool thing about art is, you know, either you can do it or you can't. You know, if you can do it, you don't need a degree. Like, really, people don't. If you know the programs or you can do this or that, you know, you'll get a little test. And if you can do it, you'll get a job. So, but once again, I don't want to discourage anybody from going to school. I'm just saying, you know, you don't have to let them touch your pockets and end up maybe not getting anything out of it. If you can get those programs and do your thing, you know, you should just do it and, uh, you know, and just give it a shot because, you know, people hire on your talent and not, not your degree in, um, in animation. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, I I will kind of echo the same sentiment. It's like, if you can go to school, go to school. But if you, if there's another way for you to, to get this, like, if it's something that doesn't require like uh the same amount of time as like a business management degree or something, then by all means study it on your own and then just, you know, network and see if you can get those skills utilized. Unless it's like one of those uh more intense skills where, you know, yeah. you can do animation on the side, but you know, there might be something in uh in a school that you might 
not know about or there might be skills that a certain teacher might have or you know just different things you just have to keep up with the times you know what i mean when i started it was traditional (laughs) you know 2d animation you know flipping the pages running pencil tests and then obviously everything evolved into to digital um i'm more of a like i'm always a fan of hand-drawn but um you have to adapt so everything has moved to cintiqs and digital and you know toon boom animation programs and, and things like that so um, regardless of your education level, if you're able to know and kind of evolve the way the industry is going, um, you got a great shot, you know? Yeah, I think it makes sense. I mean, that's that's all any industry needs to, to evolve is, you know, people that have an idea to make it happen. Because, uh, for example, look at, um, I think there's this deal going on where HBO, Paramount, and a bunch of other stations are considering a merger. Uh, like, big big stations matter of fact you know nickelodeon comedy central bet was on there and to be honest with you i think that's happening because uh aside from dc comics at warner brothers which is another partner of the merger but aside from that i mean most of those businesses haven't really been keeping up with the times in my opinion they've turned into like or, or they're in a position where blockbuster video was whenever uh, streaming came out and and DVDs and you know Blu-rays. It's, you you know you keep thinking that nothing's going to change and you should you should still be able to thrive. But if you're stuck in an old mindset, it's only a matter of time. And here we are now. <laughs> but yeah, man. So it's funny because um, I don't know why I think of uh, competition shooting as kind of like an art form, since we're on the topic of art. Um, yeah. And on that the subject, can you uh, tell us about your background in competition shooting and how you got started? Yeah, you know, I'm kind of a um, a late bloomer, so to speak, in competition shooting. Um, you know, I just got into it uh, in April of 2021, and it was during COVID, and you know, it was mainly because, you know, a couple of, um, actually, our Bass Reeves chapter of NAGA, um, they would always approach me at the events, you know, and they keep telling me, hey, you know, come out and, you know, shoot IDPA with me and shoot USPSA matches with me. And uh, they would kind of get on me, like at every NAGA event you know, that I would go to. And, you know, I ended up, you know, relenting. Uh you know, in part, just because, you know, I wanted to kind of get away from the monotony of, you know, standing in a lane. And I wanted to kind of run around and basically test my carry gear, you know, under the stress of a clock. And, um, you know, one of, uh, you know, one of the members, you know, they just told me about like a weekly IDPA matches that they have at the started range and guns uh, in Midtown. So, you know, once he told me, you know, that happened to be very close to where I lived. So, you know, I made the decision to do it. And in my free time, um, before my first match, you know, I would kind of go on YouTube and I looked up videos to kind of get an idea of uh, what I would expect my first time in a match. And I ran across videos from uh, Walter Sorrells. It was called uh, Walter Sorrells Beginner's Guide to Shooting IDPA. And for those who aren't familiar, um, IDPA is the International Defensive Pistol Association. And uh, 
it's essentially a competition that in its essence is kind of a scenario-based um, competition um, shooting. And, uh, you know, I started going to the weekly matches at Stoddard, um, and that's now my local club. And at my first match, I happened to be in the same club that uh, Walter shot at. You know, he's a master class shooter, and um, that was kind of cool, you know. And, uh, you know, I've been pretty much going there weekly um, since uh, 2021. And the interesting thing about competitive shooting, you know, when I got into it, I was like, hey, you know, I just you know, I want to do something a little bit more dynamic. And I'm, if you would have told me never in a million years, would I have thought that after a year that I kept doing it and then I end up, you know, um, I ended up becoming an expert um, level shooter. Um, my first year, I ended up becoming a safety officer my first year. And I, you know, and it was just, you know, I just never thought that I would be into it like that but you know once I got into it and started meeting the community and caught the bug um I just kept doing it and you know it's probably one of the better decisions that I have ever made because I'm a little bit more um I'm more confident you know what I mean um with you know my gun handling um I'm definitely a lot more alert to safety you know because you know there are obviously rules within IDPA and USPSA um, you know, breaking the 180 will get you DQ'd, you know, and having a negligent discharge will get you DQ'd. So you're kind of hyper-focused on safety, which is something that kind of translates when you shoot a bunch of matches and it's safety, safety, safety each stage. Whenever you're out in the regular world, you have to handle your firearm or you're just, you know, putting in your appendix holster or whatever. You're just really hyper-focused on safety. So I think, uh, that's one of the major aspects that I really appreciate it. It just makes me, you know, just more, you know, if I pick up a toy gun, like my hand's going to be off the trigger. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just kind of one of those things, but that's, that's pretty much how I got into it. And I've been shooting it for a couple of years now. And um, I've shot two state matches. Um, and that was something else that I never thought, you know, oh man, you know, getting it into a little over a year and now I'm, you know, shooting state matches and, traveling to shoot it's just it's just hella fun brother you know i'm always trying to get you to come out so we're gonna break it down at some point i, I think it, i mean <laughs> you pretty much gave me the vacuum cleaner sales pitch and suddenly i'm thinking about it i'm like well maybe i do need one of these especially uh since you said that it it does make you feel more confident and um you know more uh aware regarding safety and uh yes your gun handling especially like that that's one of the biggest things i'm still trying to overcome i mean i've gotten a little bit better but uh there's always in the back of my mind it's like don't do this don't do this and it's not like a <laughs> yeah. a reassuring don't do this it's more like a don't do this because if you do this this is what's going to happen and when this happens it's not going to be good uh, so don't yeah. yeah i hate it <laughs> well you know and and you know and also it's uh you know, it's humbling because there's lots of people who, you know, they get into competitive shooting, whether it be IDPA or USPSA, and they don't, um, it humbles them because, you know, let's just say that you're a, you're a trainer. Like there are people who, you know, they get paid, they're instructors and things like that. And, you know, when you're an instructor, you have individuals that are coming to you 
for you to teach them. So you're kind of like the big guy on campus. And then once you, you know, you go to a match and then you, you know, you get smoked by a teenager, you know what I'm saying? With, with the race rig, you know, you realize, oh man, you know, I'm not as accurate as I thought I was, you know, I'm not as fast as I thought I was, you know, I, I don't move and shoot as good as I thought I did until you're in a room full of people that are doing the same thing under the pressure of a clock. So it, it's humbling and it, it definitely gets you better. I mean, even if you, you know, we all talk about, um, you know, dry firing, you know, everybody talks about, hey, you know, you should dry fire, you should dry fire. Dry firing is good. And there, you know, it definitely has its, its purpose, but nothing can kind of replace live fire because you're getting that recoil, you're getting the feedback from the time you're, you know, have your stage plan, you know, where you're going to reload and things like that. So it, it just helps you overall as a responsible gun owner. I was about to say, I think you muted yourself for, uh, that was weird. Oh, you didn't get the, uh, what was the last thing I said? Uh, it was it was good. It's like, uh, last thing I remember was uh, you saying basically that uh, it makes you more of a responsible gun owner. And then that's when the mute kind of cut off, but. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just essentially, you know, just doing thing and being around other people doing the same thing that you're interested in by default you're going to want to get better you know what i mean there's no better feeling than seeing your rise from like the bottom of you know of the score list and you know you keep moving up and you know you'll get steady for a while and you keep going up and the other thing about competitive shooting is you know a lot of times you have a chance because you're battling yourself on the clock you're battling other people's times as well but you know somebody who's better than you hey they could have a bad match and then you have a good match and next thing you know you know what i mean you've kind of jumped them so it, it it truly is you never know when you go to matches but then again at the same time there are people who shoot at a better level than others so you know you kind of have to use that example i gave to kind of you know somebody that's kind of in your class you know what i mean <laughs> but you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, you never know anything can happen. You know, you shoot a couple of no shoots. Next thing you know, you're fourth or fifth place. You know what I mean? <laughs> you just don't, you know, you just don't know. But I definitely encourage everybody, including you. You just got to jump, brother. Yeah, I, I, I put my jump, uh, jump man shoes on then. But <laughs> it, it's funny because um, you said that. uh you know, you, you might be getting beat by like somebody who's, uh, or actually, you're talking about a guy who had the uh, the rig, and uh, I think he's like a teenager or something. Um, yeah. A friend of mine actually ended up dealing with that. Uh, Will from uh, I Run and Gun. Well, actually, he he changed his name to uh, I think Range Therapist, but uh, nonetheless, oh yeah, uh, yeah, oh, he's yeah. good. I, I love his steel matches. Like he he's just he, yeah, you know, he yeah. I, actually. I interviewed him a long time ago, but I need to get him back. Uh, I would love to have a bunch of competition shooters just like uh, have a group, a group chat about yes. uh, you know certain things and their experiences. But he, he uh, every now and then, man, when he go to those shoots, um, there was always this one young kid there, and he always mm -hmm. put him in second place to the point where I think it got kind of personal. <laughs> <laughs> 
He said, I lost that freaking kid again. You know, you see that on, on his Facebook. He posts a oh, score and he had the kid up top and, and like he was second. So, <laughs> you, you know, it, you know, it's interesting, though, because like sometimes, you know, you sometimes when you try too hard, you mess up. You might mess up or you might forget something. I have found that some of the best matches that I've shot were just matches where I didn't overthink anything. You know what I mean? And yeah. I just kind of, I mean, obviously there is a thought process because depending on what you're shooting, you know, you might have to run a course of fire a certain way. But it's just one of those where, you know, look, just go out there, get a firm, a good purchase on your gun, get a nice firm grip. And, you know, shoot at the speed of the distance of the targets that you've got and, you know, try not to get any penalties and, you know, try to uh, try to go zero down if you're an IDPA or try to get those double alphas in USPSA. Cool. Oh, and be fast and don't fall. <laughs> yeah, that falling doesn't get exactly DQ'd, seem... you know, yeah. so there's a lot going on. Falling doesn't seem like it'd be fun, especially since you're holding a loaded firearm and yeah, I've, I've I've seen it all, you know what I mean? But I have seen, for the most part, people who are experienced that I've seen um, that fall. A lot of them do manage to keep the gun down range because if you fall, you don't get DQ'd. You only get DQ'd if you drop the gun or if you break the 180 when you fall, you know? So more times than not, uh, more experienced shooters can, um, they tend to keep it, um, you know, pointed down range. But, you know, I've also seen master class shooters drop their gun when they fall or, you know what I mean? So I've seen it. So, you know, and it just reminds you, you know, you know, it can happen to anyone. Anyone can get a finger violation for having their finger, you know, in the trigger trigger well um, while they're moving. You know, you can get a violation for that. It can happen oh, to anybody. Wow. You can have it. Yeah, you can have a negligent discharge moving from one position. Like I've seen it like, you know, I, it's. You know, it's just, it's one of those things, like I'll say, that keep you on your toes, but even if you're the best, things can, you know, things can happen. And that's kind of part of the game, you know, brain farts and just, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> you know, forgetting man. something like that, that's, that's actually part of the game. Like, it's just, you know, and it, it's one of those deals where it's like, at some point, it's going to be your time. Like, I, I don't think, like, things like a finger violation or a negligent discharge, that's, you know. I think that I would probably, I would probably be more likely to maybe accidentally break the 180, you know, like maybe traveling from side to side, like your weekend side, you know, sometimes you really have to pay attention to where that gun's pointing, like during a reload, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, things like, you know, dropping the gun and things like that, though, those are things that are probably less likely, but like I said, but it, you know, it can happen. You, you see these things. If you shoot enough, you will see, Yeah, you know what I mean? You'll see like everything and some things that you didn't think would happen. You know what I mean? But That reminds me of one of my uh, old jobs. <laughs> exactly. Wait long enough, you'll see some crazy stuff that you never thought you'd see happen. So, I mean, man. truly, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, that's kind of, um, it's kind of one of those things where, um, you know, the culture and depending on where you're at is important because safety is something that, um, you know, that's probably, you, you want to say that really number one, because, you know, you've got, 
you know, hot weapon. So safety is probably, you know, is number one for me. And uh, one of the things that, that I've been fortunate, you know, shooting with a lot of people that, you know, some people from our chapter and just other people that I've met from shooting different matches around Georgia is that it's in everyone's best interest. You know, if you have a new shooter, if they've got questions, you know, talk to them, you know, answer their questions. Don't be, you know, everybody, it was everybody's first time once, you know what I mean? So it's one of those things where if I'm not giving this individual the knowledge that they need to be safe and to have fun, um, you're endangering, you know, you might, you're endangering yourself and other people that are out there. So um, a lot of the club matches that I go to, um, especially shooting, you know, with, you know, team AACS um, with Silas and those cats is that um, everybody out there, even if you're not a certified safety officer, everybody's a safety officer, because if you see something that's unsafe, you know, say something, you know what I mean? So that's kind of the rule that we have, that everybody's a safety officer. And uh, it's all of our responsibilities to make sure that we, you know, that we make it home, not hurt from something that was supposed to be fun. That makes sense. And yeah, that that's uh, actually one of the best things that uh, I like about the Bass Reefs chapter is the fact that it doesn't matter if it's like the uh, marksman proficiency test or uh, the men's day out shoot, or even if it's outdoor shoot, you know, there's no, there's no prejudgment. There's no discrimination. Uh, it's just people out there who are really trying to get increase their skill level and get better at what they, uh, what they're doing. Uh, you know, every now and then you might see something crazy like, uh, uh, Solomon and, um, uh, Kevin, uh, God, uh, Solomon and Randy. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah. I remember last time there was an event, they were kind of going back and forth and it, it turned into a competition, but it was like a kind of a competition between both of them. Nobody else is affected by it, but yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you're right uh, i definitely agree um you know the chapter does have a you know a high premium you know on safety i mean our safety record has been unblemished uh since i've been in and even before i got in you know they were saying that the you know the blemish record of like nobody um getting seriously hurt you know at an event um like it's never happened so we're definitely gonna do everything we can to make sure that that streak continues and um and you're right, because like a lot of places that you go, obviously everybody has different skill levels. And like I say, any game that you can put someone onto, um, I mean, you, you really should. It's just that what people, a lot of people don't realize that shooting is a degenerative skill. And if mm -hmm. you don't do it, you know what I mean? Like I, I know, how many people do you know? It's like, yeah, you know, I've got a gun. And you're like, hey, you know, do you? often do you shoot it? Eh, you know, I don't really, you know, I go to the range like, you know, once every few months or, you know, I've got a gun and, you know, they haven't shot it since they got out the army, you know, eight years ago or something. And it's like, bro, like <laughs> you gotta, you have to pick that thing up and, you know, and use it. And that's another thing that is a very good thing is uh, the testing your equipment aspect of it, because um, anyone who, who, you know, we'll just use Bass Reeves as a chapter. Like if you're in a gun club or anything like that, um, if you're not running your equipment, do you really know what's good or, or, or what's bad of it? Like everybody's got a drawer full of like holsters and bag carriers that they don't use because they just don't work with what they need to, you know, with what they need to do now. Mm -hmm. And um, 
getting out there and like shooting matches or just going to steel challenges and things like that and shooting in inclement weather. You know, I, I've seen that sometimes even in like a general meetings in our chapter where um, there might be a member that's just saying, you know, I would have came to the event, but it was cold. And it's like when people are trying to give you training, you know, bad things don't wait to happen in great weather. Things are going to happen, you know, could possibly happen to you in the rain or in the cold or, you know, in searing heat. And uh, the cool thing about competition is you're going to have matches where you have to shoot in inclement weather. And that's the best way to test your equipment. So, um, you know, the firearms that I have and, you know, I'm a Walther guy, like these things have been, you know, in mud, they've been in rain, you know, been in cold they eat everything you know i shoot steel case out of them sometimes you know aluminum wow. like i understand <laughs> the gun you, you know what i mean like i understand the gun i know what it can do and i kind of know what my skill set is you know the different distances that i can shoot and you know shooting at moving targets those types of things help you you know it's just I don't think that there is a negative even if you're a tactical guy competition shooting you know, can help you. If you're a competition shooter and you want to do more tactical stuff, all of those skills, you know, help you, you know, like no matter what you're doing. So that's why it's like, it's kind of, uh, I just think that it's, you know, a good idea, at least for me to, uh, you know, to try different mediums in, in the shooting, um, you know, in, in the shooting sports or tactical this and that and other. It, it's cool to kind of do it all because you kind of learn to understand what you can do with a pistol or with a rifle or with a shotgun. It, it's like, and the more skills that you have, you know, Hey, you know, you know, shit might hit the fan and you might have yeah. to have a weapon that you don't normally use and you don't want to be ignorant. <laughs> you know what I mean? You might need to use parts from a weapon that you find, you know, so it, it's, uh, it, there's just so many different avenues that, um, being in the 2A community that's beneficial to people in Greece. This the Black Powder Podcast, let's get explicit. We got the wisdom hitting targets with a mark with precision. We're having fun in the booth, we're running gun for the truth. Every future black gun owner, we're spreading the news. We do illegal, we're moving regal and blessing the people. Some hopes for the culture, we keep it locked like guns in our holster. Holding it down as we're loading the rounds. If they were nervous back then, right. then they're gonna be scared of us now. Black Powder Podcast, we'll be back in a while. Yeah.